They've been married for 30 years. He's a pioneer of Catholic lay evangelization, and she has a master's degree in theology. Put on the coffee and get ready to open the scriptures. It's time for Bible with the Barbers. Now, here's Terry and Mary Danielle. Welcome. Welcome to Bible with the Barber on this Friday, the um, 17th, I believe the 17th of uh, November. It is the feast of St. Elizabeth of Portugal. No, I'm sorry. Was it Portugal? St. Elizabeth of Hungary, right? Elizabeth of Hungary. Sorry. Elizabeth of Hungary. So um, we'll start with a prayer in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The angel of the Lord declared unto Mary, and she conceived by the Holy Spirit. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Behold the handmaid of the Lord, be it done unto me according to thy word. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Pray for us, O most holy Mother of God, that we may be made worthy of the promises of Christ. Let us pray, pour forth, we beseech you, O Lord, thy grace into our hearts, that we to whom the incarnation of Christ thy Son was made known by the message of an angel may by his passion and cross be brought to the glory of his resurrection through the same Christ our Lord. Amen. Come, O Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of the faithful and enkindle in them the fire of thy love. Send forth thy spirit, and they shall be created, and thou shalt renew the face of the earth. O God, who by the light of the Holy Spirit did instruct the hearts of the faithful, grant that in the same spirit we may be truly wise and ever rejoice in his consolation. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. Sanctus, Sanctus, Sanctus Dominus Deus Sabaot. Plenis un celi et terra, gloria tua, hosanna in excelsis. Benedictus qui venit in nomine Domini, hosanna in excelsis. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. So you can read about St. Elizabeth of Hungary, a great um, saint of the Catholic Church, who was a princess, queen, to be the future queen of Hungary. She married the, the prince of Hungary, who would have been become the king? He died in the um, he died in, in one of the Crusades, and Elizabeth was left a widow with three children, um, belonging to the royal family of Hungary. So um, she's not the only saint we celebrated this this week. They belong to a royal family. We had Saint Margaret of Scotland also earlier this week. Um, just in case you think that you know the circumstances of your state in life can make it impossible for you to become a a saint. By the way, Margaret was the mother of eight children, and she breastfed all of her own children, despite the fact that she was a queen, and homeschooled them. And um, several of her children became canonized saints. <laughs> Three of them were kings of Scotland in succession, um, and they were good kings of Scotland. So, you know, we pray. We pray, we do our duties, and that's what Margaret and, and Elizabeth had in common. They did the duties of their state and life, and they prayed, and they were solicitous for the care of the poor. 
both of them had a good effect on their husbands. And um, as a matter of fact, there was, it was St. Malcolm was of, of Scotland. Um, the husband of St. Margaret was considered a saint in his time. And Elizabeth of Hungary, her husband also encouraged her in her um, devotions and uh, charitable works. And a little bit of persecution from his family side, especially his mother, didn't like the fact that um, Elizabeth of Hungary was treating, taking care of the poor, even bringing them into the castle or feeding them at the castle door. She was a little bit niffed about this. I mean, this is below the dignity of a, of a royal. And no, it wasn't. It was not at all. That's the duty. When God has given us more than we need of this world's goods, he's done it so that we can take care of the poor. If we have more than we need, it's our duty to take care of the poor. And so, you know, Jesus made that very um, clear. Uh, the, 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 his account of the last judgment, I was hungry and you gave me to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me to drink. I was naked and you clothed me. I was away from home and you welcomed me. I was in prison. I was sick and you visited me. Whatever you did to the least of my brothers, you did to me. So we get to today's show and our title, Out of the Depths I Cry to the O Lord. If anyone has their Bible in front of them, go ahead and open to Psalm 130. Out of the depths I cry to thee, O Lord. Lord, hear my voice. O let your ears be attentive to the voice of my supplication. If thou, O Lord, should mark iniquities, Lord, who could stand? But thou is, but there is forgiveness with thee, and thou that thou that thou mayest be feared. I wait for the Lord. My soul waits, and in His word I hope. My soul waits for the Lord. More than the watchmen wait for the morning. More than the watchmen for the morning. So my soul waits for thee, O Lord. O Israel, hope in the Lord. For with the Lord there is steadfast love. And with him is plenteous redemption. And he will redeem Israel from all his iniquities. So we have this cry to the Lord. Out of the depths I cry to you, O Lord. And... um. Prayer. What is prayer? The Psalms, by the way, are prayers. And if you want the prayer book that Jesus and Mary used and St. Joseph every day, the Psalms. The Jews prayed the Psalms every day. So this was part of their daily prayer. And it also formed their inmost being and it formed their thoughts. How should we think? How should we approach God? And and praise should be ever on our lips. And as St. Paul would write um, in his one of his letters, uh, rejoice evermore, pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. So again, I want to go to the Catechism of the Catholic Church, which is an excellent commentary on Scripture. And um, yes, even Protestants will go to, and even Protestant ministers have gone to the, Catholic, the Catechism of the Catholic Church to get commentary on Scripture. The Church is the official interpreter of Scripture. It It's not that... The, the, the church didn't come out of the Bible. It was the church that gave us the Bible. Through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit, working through the bishops of the Roman Catholic Church, gave us the, the Bible, the scriptures, the scriptures that all Protestants and Catholics use. And, and the, the, the Old Testament scriptures are true. The Jews didn't have a canon of scripture. They didn't have a set canon. It wasn't until Jesus founded his church, and, and even then it wasn't immediate that the canon of scripture was set. It wasn't set until 395, 97, and 2, it was again uh, confirmed, and I think it was 218 or 220, 
the, the councils of Hippo and Carthage. And th this is where the church put together this book that we call the Bible. And the Council of Trent didn't change the canon that was set back in the, in the late 300s and early 400s. There was nothing changed. What happened was at the Protestant Revolt, certain Protestant reformers wanted to throw out certain books of the Bible because they weren't comfortable with them. They were too Catholic in what they taught. And they wanted to separate themselves from the Catholic Church, which they thought was so corrupt. And so um, then the church had to codify the canon. And the canon that she codified is the exact same canon that the bishops of the Catholic Church set down in the late 300s and confirmed in the early 400s, that this, these are the scriptures. So these are the books that can be read during the liturgy, that can teach us the way of God. These are the words of God that speak to us. So out of the depths I cry to you, O Lord. This is a great prayer, okay? And I just want to read some paragraphs from the Catechism of the Catholic Church on prayer Number 2558, it looks like a paragraph. It's, well, it's, not considered, it's not called a paragraph according to the catechism breakdown. You can look that up in the index. Um, yeah, the index, the beginning. What, what's, but it's a number, number 2558. Great is the mystery of our faith. The church professes this mystery in the Apostles' Creed and celebrates it in the sacraments, sacramental liturgy so that the life of the faithful may be conformed to Christ in the Holy Spirit, to the glory of God the Father. Which, by the way, this is how the catechism is broken down. The creed, the sacramental liturgy, and then the life of the faithful. This mystery then requires that the faithful believe in it, that they celebrate it, and that they live from it in a vital and personal relationship with the living and true God, this relationship is prayer. If we're not praying every day, we're not fostering a relationship with God who loves us. Prayer is spending time with God. It's a conversation with him who loves us. Therese of Lisieux put it this way. St. Therese of Lisieux, doctor of the church. For me, prayer is a surge of the heart, is a simple look turned toward heaven. It is a cry of recognition and of love, embracing both trial and joy. So this is this cry of the heart. Out of the depths I cry to you, O Lord. Is prayer just in our head? Are we just thinking and not allowing it to sink into our hearts so that we cry out to God from our hearts? And you know, this loving conversation, Teresa of Avila put it, this loving conversation with him who loves us. God loves us. He loved us into being. We wouldn't exist except that God loves us. We wouldn't continue in existence if he didn't continue to think about us at all times and continue to love us at all times. So there's this love relationship that we're supposed to be building. You know, when you fall in love with somebody, how is it? You know, all of us who are married, we remember when, I hope we remember when we were courting the person and we wanted to spend all our time with them that we could, all our spare time, talk to them on the phone, go see them, be with them. Well, this is the kind of relationship we should have with God. We should be wanting to spend more and more time with him on a daily basis. Enter into prayer and carry on this conversation. This is Virgin Most Powerful Radio. You're listening to Bible with the Barber on this Friday, the 17th of November. Please stay tuned. We have more and invite everyone to join us. 
Now back to Bible with the Barbers. If you have a question or comment, call 888-526-2151. Here's Terry and Mary Danielle. Welcome, welcome back to Bible with the Barbers. So we're looking at Psalm 130, and we'll look at some passages from Scripture that are connected to this also. Out of the depths I cry to thee, O Lord, Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to my voice and supplication. Lord, if you should mark iniquities, who could stand? Well, in Psalm 143, verse 2, it says, Enter not into judgment with thy servant, for no man living is righteous before thee. And of course, we also have a parallel passage in Romans 3.20, where Paul um, records, For no human being will be justified in his sight, in God's sight, by works of the law, since through the law comes knowledge of sin. So, you know, the law was given as a pedagogy, as an instructor to show us. But, but now, remember, there is, Paul makes a distinction between works of the law, which are circumcision, the dietary laws, the animal sacrifices, and the, the calendar of feasts that the Lord gave. And this word, they were given by the Lord in the Old Testament. They had their place, but they were pedagogical. They were types of the law that would come, the perfect law, the law, the new covenant in Christ Jesus' blood. Okay, those are the those are the things that are and and so we're not justified. We're not justified by our actions. We're justified by the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. And that's what Catholics believe. Now, if I've been justified by the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ, it's not that, oh, Christians aren't different. They're just forgiven. No, I am different because I am forgiven. And when I have forgiven, I want to live as Christ lived. I want to be a mirror image of him. I want to be a sign to the world of his presence, of his love to everyone. He loves us all. God doesn't condemn sinners in terms of, well, he doesn't deter- predetermine that someone's going to go to heaven or hell. That's not, that's not what predestination is. God desires all men to be saved, but he gives us a free will. And we have to choose whether we're going to cooperate or not. So, We're not justified by our works, and that's not what we believe as Catholics, but our works are a reflection of our gratitude towards God and our desire to love our brothers and sisters. When I was hungry, you gave me to eat, Jesus said. When I was thirsty, you gave me to drink. When I was naked, you clothed me. When I was in prison, you visited me. When I was sick, you visited me. When I was homeless, you welcomed me. Whatever you did to the least of my brothers, you did to me. When Jesus knocks Saul to the ground as he's going to Damascus to arrest men, women, and children who are following the new way, who are Christian, who believe in Jesus Christ, he says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And this is where Saul, through the grace of God, by the power of the Holy Spirit, and through God's inspiration, begins to see the doctrine of the mystical body of Christ and that we are all members of Christ's body in the church and that when one of us suffers, we all suffer together. When one of us is exalted, we're all exalted together. So we have this prayer from the heart, this prayer from the heart, and it's not, you know, our justification doesn't, you know, depend on us and we couldn't do it. Remember, we owed a debt to God that we couldn't possibly pay because Adam's sin, the original sin, which took us out of God's grace 
and lost for us the preternatural gifts, it made us God's enemies. And that offense was an infinite offense against God. And it was a mortal sin. It was a deadly sin. It killed the life of God and the souls of Adam and Eve. Now God forgave. He promised a savior. But it is God who forgives. And it is only God himself who could pay to God the price that was owed to him. So God became man and took upon us his sin, our sins. Our sins were taken upon him. He became sin. And he died on the cross to redeem us from sin, not so that we could go on sinning. And remember, Paul writes in his letter to the Romans, at one point he says, where sin abounds, grace abounds all the more. Now, don't go out and tell people that Paul told you to go out and sin so that there would be more grace. That's not what I'm saying. <laughs> Read it in Romans. <laughs> you know? Paul had to correct them. He already knew. He already, he already, what do you say, anticipates the response. Oh, sin abounds, grace abounds all the more. Let's go sin and sin boldly. And Paul's like, nope, that's not what I'm saying. So, so we lift our hearts to the Lord. And we cry to him out of the depths, knowing that he is the only one who can save us and that he is the one who justifies us. But when we are justified, when we are filled with his grace, we behave like God as his very dear children, as Paul says in one of his letters. Behave like God as his very dear children. So we pray, we pray, we join you know, our lives to the Lord. We want to lift our voices to him. And should we be proud in doing that? Is that something that should fill us with pride? Or how is it that we should come before the Lord? Um, well, remember in Luke chapter 18, starting at verse 9, Jesus spoke the parable of the two men who went up to the temple to pray. The Pharisee who stood in the front and said, Oh, Lord, look at me. I'm so good. I fast. I pray. I give tithes. Aren't I wonderful? Not like this publican in the back, you know, this miserable, wretched sinner. And what is the publican in the back saying? He doesn't even dare to lift his head to the Lord or to look up. He says, Lord, be merciful to me, a sinner. Lord, be merciful to me, a sinner. Lord, be merciful to me, a sinner. And Jesus says that the publican went home justified, not the Pharisee. His humility before God, he acknowledges his need before God. And this is what we do in prayer. Prayer is the raising of our minds and heart to God or the requesting of good things of God. Just the raising of our minds and hearts to God is prayer, but also requesting of God good things, the things that we need, the good that we need, his grace, his mercy, his justification. But when we pray, do we speak from the height of our pride as the Pharisee did and will? Oh, I'm so good and I do so much for God and God owes me something? Or out of the depths, out of the depths of a humble and contrite heart, like the publican. He who humbles himself will be exalted. Humility is the foundation of prayer. Only when we humbly acknowledge that we do not know how to pray as we ought, Romans 8, 26. Are we ready to receive freely the gift of prayer? Man is a beggar before God. St. Augustine said in his sermon, number 56, man is a beggar before God. We humble ourselves before God. 
We don't cry out in pride that, oh God, you know, it's like that song, oh Lord, it's so hard to be humble when you're perfect in every way. And it's, it's an irony, isn't it? Because that's how we feel. That's how we act sometimes. I'm so perfect. I'm so good. I do this and I do that. And I, 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 and I have eye trouble, right? It's not God has been good to me. God is glorious and God is holy. God is worthy of all praise and adoration. God is good. God is gracious. God is merciful. He is slow to anger and rich in compassion. He looks upon the poor and has pity on them. And so God is the subject. God is the one. We want to lift our hearts and minds to him. And Jesus said to the woman at the well, remember the Samaritan woman at the well, if you knew the gift of God, in John 4, verse 10, if you knew the gift of God, Well, what is the gift of God? Prayer is a gift of God. The wonder of prayer is revealed beside the well. When we come seeking water, there Christ comes to meet every human being. Okay, the woman is coming to the well at midday because she's an outcast in her town. She doesn't come in the morning when it's nice and cool with all the other women. She comes in the heat of the day to draw water because it's the only time she can go and not get verbally beaten up because she's such a sinner. So she comes and she's seeking water. And Jesus says, if you knew the gift of God, you would have asked me for water. And she's like, wait a minute, where's your bucket? This well is deep. How are you going to get water to give me? And then he says that the water that comes will be, the water that comes will be a spring of life flowing up in you. And he, ha- he is the one who gives this water. It's God who gives us prayer. We're seeking God. Are we seeking God? Are we seeking God with longing? Are we seeking God with eagerness? Are we seeking God all the time? He says, um, you are a Jew. How can you ask me, a Samaritan and a woman, for a drink? And Jesus replied, if only you recognize the gift of God, it would be you that is asking for And who it is that is asking you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. And then, of course, she challenges him. How can you get this living water? And he says, um, he says, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give him will never be thirsty. No, the water that I give shall be come a fountain within him, leaping up to provide eternal life, the fountain of prayer. The fathers of the church, there's a, there's a saying, and it's, it's, I'm paraphrasing it. I'm doing this from memory. But they said, one of the fathers wrote, to seek for God and to find him are not two separate things. Really to find God is to never have our fill of seeking him. So are we seeking God? Are we seeking God continually? Are we longing for him with eager longing? Does our in, is our inmost being consumed with this longing for God? My God, my God, you are my God. For you, I long. For you, my soul is thirsting like a dry, weary land without water. So I gaze on you in the sanctuary to see your strength and glory. For your love, O Lord, is better than life. My lips will speak your praise. So I will bless you all my life. In your name, I will lift up my hands. My soul shall be filled as with a banquet. My mouth shall praise you with joy. Are we longing for God? Are we seeking him? And this is part of prayer. This is this gift of prayer to be always longing. 
and, and to know that God gives us this gift. He is, prayer is where, the church goes on to say, prayer is where the thirst of God meets our thirst. Okay, so you have the woman at the well and she's going for water. And Jesus said that he would give her living water, a spring of living water that would well up in her. It is he who seeks us first and asks us for a drink. Just as Jesus asked the woman at the well, give me something to drink. He seeks us out and he asks for a drink from us. Jesus thirsts. His asking arises from the depths of God's desire for us. Do we stop and think how much God desires us? Why did God make you? He made you to show forth his goodness and to share his everlasting happiness with you in heaven. What must you do to share his everlasting happiness? Know him, love him, and serve him. But God made us. We didn't make him. He made us. He wants to share his happiness with us. He desires us to live in union with him. He has made us to draw us into union with himself. So we are going to talk more about this. What is prayer? And this thirst. We have this thirst inside of us. This is Bible with the Barbers on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Please share this with all your friends and family. Let them know about the app. Let them know about our website and the social media platforms that that have us carried. Now back to Bible with the Barbers. If you have a question or comment, call 888-526-2151. Here's Terry and Mary Danielle. Welcome. Welcome back to Bible with the Barbers on this Friday, the 17th of November, the Feast of St. Elizabeth of Hungary. A great woman who gives us a great example of praying from the depths of her heart. And that's, we're talking here, out of the depths I have cried to you, O Lord. Lord, hear my voice. O let your ears be attentive to my voice of supplication. And we want to enter into prayer. And this prayer is where, whether we realize it or not, (laughs) is the encounter of God's thirst with ours. As I said before the break, God made us to show forth his goodness and to share his everlasting life with us. He desires for us to live in union with him. And, and what is it that we must do in order to share his everlasting life? We must know him, love him, and serve him. Okay, God thirsts that we might thirst for him. Another, another um, commentary of St. Augustine on the scriptures. So, and, the, and then we were referring to the, the fourth chapter of the Gospel of John, where Jesus encounters the Samaritan woman at the well. This, where Jesus reveals, he reveals to her, first of all, that she has something that he desires. He desires her love. He desires her to thirst for him, for his grace, for his mercy, for his healing. Here she is. She's out there by herself at noon when nobody comes to draw water. She's an outcast. And he speaks to her. And she's like, wait a minute, you're a Jew and I'm a woman. You're talking to a Samaritan, not just a Samaritan, but you're talking to a Samaritan woman. I mean, Jews don't have anything to do with a Samaritan. What are you doing? Because he wants to discover to her that she has something he desires. He desires her repentance of her sin. And he desires that she ask him for the living waters, that she long for the living waters that he can give that well up in us. 
the living water of prayer. And he, he goes on because she carries on a discussion with him um, because after he tells her that, you know, he would provide this living water, she, he says, well, uh, the woman said, well, sir, you know, how can you get this? You know, give it to me so I don't ever have to come back here again. And, and he says, go call your husband. <laughs> and she says, oh, well, I don't have a husband. And he says, oh, now you, now you tell the truth because the, you've had five and the man you're with now is not your husband. And, and so then she kind of changed the subject. Well, the Jews say we have to worship in Jerusalem, but we Samaritans, we worship here, you know, where Jacob set this up and, you know, this is where we, and, and he says, Jesus goes on to say, believe me, woman, an hour is coming when you will worship the father, neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You people worship what you do not understand while we understand what we worship. After all, salvation is from the Jews. Yet, an hour is coming and is already here when authentic worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. Indeed, it is just such worshipers that the Father seeks. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. So Jesus is the one who's revealing to us the desire of God's heart, that we worship him in spirit and truth. It's not the place so much as the attitude of our heart. Are we approaching God with that attitude of the Pharisee of pride and God owes it to me because I'm so good and I've done so many good works? Well, there's a problem there. Our prayer can't be proud. Our prayer needs to be humble. Our, our prayer needs to be honest. Jesus leads the woman step by step, right, to that place of honesty where she admits, you know, that she doesn't have a husband because she's had five. So the man she's living, and that's why she's an outcast. <laughs> but this, this Jesus, asked, Jesus says to her, you would have asked him for living water and he would have given you you would have asked him and he would have given you living water, right? Paradoxically, our prayer of petition is in response to the plea of God. So Jesus tells her, you know, that, he, that um, if, he, if she knew who he, she was talking to, she would have asked him and he would have given her living water. But the living water is not water to quench the thirst of the body. It's the living water of prayer that wells up in our soul. God gives us this living water. And how do we know this? In the book of Jeremiah, in the Jeremiah 2.13, God says this. He has this complaint against his people. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and have hewn out cisterns for themselves, broken cisterns that can hold no water. He's lamenting this in the prophet Jeremiah. You can look that up, Jeremiah 2.13. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living water, and have dug for themselves broken cisterns that can hold no water. Prayer is the response of faith to the free promise of salvation and also the response of love to the thirst of the only Son of God. John 7, 37 through 39, John 19, 20, Isaiah 2, 12, 3, Isaiah 12, 3, also, Isaiah 51, 1, Zechariah 12, 10, and 13, 1. And that's the Catechism of the Catholic Church, number 2,
And you can look up the footnote number 11. And all of those scripture passages talk about this promise of salvation and the response of love to the thirst of the only son of God that we owe him, that we should be responding to him in love. God is love and he who abides in love abides in God and God in him. God desires us to long for him so that he can fulfill our desire. And it is God himself who gives us the desire. Remember, Paul would write, it is he who begets in us any measure of desire or accomplishment. And that's also reflected in Old Testament prophets. I'm just going to read to you that uh, number uh, 37 through 39 out of the seventh chapter of John. On the last and greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood up and cried out, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me. Let him drink who believes in me. Scripture has it. From him, rivers of living water will flow out. And then verse 39 says, here he was referring to the Holy Spirit, whom those that came to believe in him were to receive. There was, of course, no spirit as of yet, since Jesus had not been glorified. John, the gospel writer, the evangelist, is not saying that the Holy Spirit didn't exist. He's saying the Holy Spirit hadn't been poured out yet on the church. That would happen after Jesus rose from the dead and was risen and then ascended into heaven. And then he would send the Holy Spirit after his ascension. He would send the Holy Spirit to the the infant church and pour out um, his life, his living water, this streams of prayer that we would cry out to God from the depths. Have you ever been in the depths of despair? And you're just, you know, it's like, I remember one time a prayer, a a man said, he said, I think the greatest prayer I ever said was when I was, I think he did electrical work and um, he was trying to fix something that was very high up in the air. And I think his ladder slipped and he was hanging there, um, not wanting to fall to his death because of the height. And he said, I think I said the greatest prayer of my life. Because I was truly praying to God from the depths of my heart, knowing that I have a great need here and I'm in absolute mortal peril. Father Donald Calloway has a beautiful, you might want to look up Father Donald Calloway and listen to his conversion story. And there are several different versions of it because he's given it many times and there's so many aspects to the conversion that you know he, he, can, he doesn't always repeat himself. But he talks about the day that he actually was converted to the Lord. Remember, he grew up with no religion. This this young boy grew up with no religion. He's 17 years old, going on 18, and and his life is a mess. He's just totally, his brain should be fried on the the drugs that he took. And yet he he comes home to his parents' house because he's finally reached rock bottom, right? Why is it that it's always out of the depths? We We don't turn to God until we reach rock bottom. And he wasn't turning to God purposely. As a matter of fact, he came home because he had nowhere else to go. And his mother told him that um, his father, his adopted father, Mr. Calloway, who adopted Donnie, his, his mother was his real biological mother, but she'd been married three times. And, and Mr. Calloway was the first man who was a father to um, Donald Calloway. So his mama said, his mama told him, well, guess what? Daddy and I are going to church every day. And he's like, you're what? I mean, weird people go to church on Sunday. What is it if you go every day? So that night, he didn't want to go out with his friends, so he's sitting at home, and he's, oh, I'll go find a National Geographic on the, on the you know, bookshelf and, and read it. So he pulled a yellow book off the shelf. It wasn't National Geographic. It was The Virgin Mary Appears at Metagorgy. And so he read the book, and he fell in love. He fell in love with the Blessed Virgin Mary. 
And so um, he has a conversion experience. The next day he goes, he realizes, I'm in sin. I need to talk to a Catholic priest. He's not baptized. He's nothing. He has no religion. He goes to talk to the, he's on a military base. He goes to talk to the military chaplain. Uh, the military chaplain listens to him for a while. And he said, well, yeah, I've, I've got to go say mass now. So uh, why don't you come and sit up in the chapel? And then, you know, I'll talk to you after mass again. So, and in mass, he received re- infused knowledge of the Holy Eucharist. That Jesus Christ is really present, body, blood, soul, and divinity in the most blessed sacrament. That when the priest says, this is my body, repeating the words of Jesus at the Last Supper over the elements of bread, the elements of bread are changed into the living, glorified body, blood, soul, and divinity of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That he, the victim who immolated himself, who's no longer dying, is present now on this altar as he is present in heaven at his father's right hand, the lamb who was slain, bearing his scars, offering them to the father on behalf of sinners. And boom, he understood, and more, I mean, all of it, and one just, shoom. And and when the priest said, this is my blood, the blood of the new and everlasting covenant that will be shed for you and for many. Again, infused knowledge. And after mass, as he's, he, he was in the back of the church and he bumps into the confessional and he turns around and he looks up and he sees the sign confession and he sees, he sees the word confession and boom, again, he receives infused knowledge as to what confession is. That sin is a, is a real offense against God who is real. And so when, and God loves us. So when we offend him, the guilt that we feel is real guilt. And, and when we come to confession, we're coming to the foot of the cross and we come to the foot of the cross and the blood of Jesus flows down upon us to wash us clean of our sin. And I'm going to have to finish this story on the other side of this break. But I want to finish the part about out of the depths I cry to thee. Don't go away. We'll be back with more on Bible with the Barbers on Virginia's Radio. Please share the app with all your friends and family and our website. And if you want to make a donation, call 877-526-2151. Right back. Now back to Bible with the Barbers. If you have a question or comment, Call 888-526-2151. Here's Terry and Mary Danielle. Welcome, welcome back to Bible with the Barbers. This is the fourth segment of our program today. We're talking about out of the depths I cry to you, O Lord. And I want to finish my story about Father Donald Calloway and his cry out of the depths and how it was brought forth out of his soul. Um, before I do so, I want to thank all the radio stations that pick up our signal. I want to thank all of the media the social media platforms, um, Rumble, Twitter, uh, I, I don't even know the names of all of them, Facebook, I know. And then we have our own website, uh, virginmostpowerfulradio.org. Please visit that. Uh, we also have our app, a free app on your, your cell phone, your iPhones and your cell phones. So please download the free app, share it with your family and friends, share this program and all the programs from Virgin Most Powerful Radio. And, and you don't have to listen to them live. Please listen to them at your, at, when you can. Some people are at work right now. Some people go to mass at noon on Fridays. Um, some people are busy with their children and they can't listen right now. That's fine. Listen when you can. Listen to our programs, share them with everybody, spread the word, because if you don't spread the word, it's not going to get out there because we are definitely listener supported and listener shared and, and spread. So let everyone know that Virgin Most Powerful Radio is there. Um, try and get your family, friends, relatives, church groups, prayer groups, um, your coworkers. We need God. We need God in our lives. Without God, we are so lost. Look at our country. Look at our world. How did it get so bad? You know, how did it get so bad? There was a time when 
the things that are happening now in society publicly, those of us who are older than 50, when we were children, we couldn't even have imagined that we would be here. But this is where sin, you know, God gives grace to us who want to live his life where there's a lot of sin because he doesn't want us to fall into sin. But at the same time, if we don't stand against society, if we don't stand against the evils of our time, we're going to fall into them. If we don't beg God, if we're not crying out to God from our hearts, where are we going to end up? We need to beg God every day for the grace of final perseverance and to persevere in his love. And we need to humble ourselves before the Lord so that he doesn't have to humble our pride. Beg him to take away our pride. Lord, take my pride away. Give me your humility, Lord. Yeah, going to get body slammed. But you know what, Lord? Amen. Amen. I need it. If I need it, that's what I need. But Father Calloway, here he was. And so he had this conversion experience. He fell in love with Jesus Christ and his mother. He's just like, oh my gosh, all of this, I, I, oh my word, you know, God is here. God is with us. He's among us. He's, he's present in this Holy Eucharist, this Catholic church. God is present. And, and he was just shocked and, and, and incredibly just, so the priest told him, I mean, he talked to the priest after mass. He'd talked to him before mass. He'd run over to the, to the base at 6.30 in the morning. Mass was probably at 8. So he spoke to Father before mass, and then he spoke to Father after mass. But Father said, look, my schedule is full today. I can't continue this conversation today. I will talk to you tomorrow, so come back tomorrow. So Father Calloway went. He went home, and he, he does the first, for the first time in his life, he prays. But he prayed. He knelt down at his... And he, what he did is he looked at the children of Medjugorje and said, well, how did they pray? They knelt down and they lifted their eyes to heaven. Father had given him a picture of um, Jesus on the cross, a picture of uh, divine mercy, I believe, um, or the sacred heart of Jesus. And then he had given him a picture of, um, at the time, Father Calloway didn't know who it was. Father Calloway thought it was the priest's grandfather. It was St. John Paul II. And so he puts those on his dresser. He throws out all of his old junk, all of his bad music, all of his drug paraphernalia, everything that had led him into sin. He just throws it all. The, the clothes that he wore just were horrible. And, and he kneels there and he says, okay, Lord, what do I do? And he felt the embrace of God's love and he wept from morning until dark. Literally, he said he wept all day being embraced and romanced by God. And that night, when he went to go to sleep, he had an interesting experience. He sensed a presence in the room where he was sleeping. And it wasn't a benign presence. It was an evil presence. It was the devil. And he had come to claim the soul of Donald Calloway. Now, Donald Calloway had never deliberately entered into the occult. He had never done anything deliberately in devil worship. But he had played with the Ouija board. He'd commit a lot of sins that opened him up to the influence of the devil. And, and he had not lived a godly life. And he was terrified. He said, I was terrified to the point where I couldn't speak a word. I had no voice. And here is the devil trying to claim my soul. And he had read the book about the mother of God and how she intercedes for us and, and brings us to Christ and brings Christ to us. And he said, from the depth of my soul, I cried out without speaking, Mary! And when he did, the devil was obliterated. He was gone. And then he heard, he said he heard a feminine voice, a voice so pure, so pristine, 
so filled with love and 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 motherly love and just beauty and the voice said donnie i am so happy he said the only one ever called me donnie was my mother and so i understood in that moment mary the mother of jesus is saying that she's my mother but he was in despair he was in a bad place satan had come to to claim his soul. Are these, these are real experiences. This really happened. And as he said, I'm not a mystic. I don't hear the voice of the Lord all the time. It was, just, it was just this one night. The devil was losing grip of this soul and he wanted it and he came to claim it. And he was hoping that out of fear, he could intimidate this young, this young man into giving in to him. And instead, this young man cried out, Mary, why Mary? Well, in Genesis... 315, remember, God said, I will put enmity between thee, Satan, and the woman, and the woman, between her seed and your seed. It will strike at your head while you strike at its heel. You see, God became man. And this was so humiliating to Satan. Uh, when he was an angel, he was Lucifer, the, car- the light bearer. And, and he didn't want to serve a creature less than himself. And mankind are lower than the angels by nature. And no, that Lucifer was not, he was cut to the quick. He wouldn't humble himself to do that. So he rebelled against God. And now when he tempts Adam and Eve to sin, God is telling him, I will put enmity between thee and the woman. You tempted the woman. I will raise up a woman, a creature. She's a creature, totally a creature. And she is going to put you down and you will be able to touch her no way not get near her, not know her, not be able to touch her. You won't be able to lead her into sin. And she's going to be the one who brings the Messiah into the world who will crush your head. And that was Mary. So we cry out to Mary, not because she's a goddess, but because she's the mother of God by God's choice. And so Father Calloway cried out from the depth, out of the depths I cried to you, O Lord. And it was a true prayer. My soul is in jeopardy right now. I'm going to be lost. Satan is trying to drag me into hell. Satan had tried to tempt Father Calloway into killing himself that night. And instead he cried, Mary. So we cry out to Mary, the mother of God, because God made her his mother. He chose this. And he also made her our mother because on the cross, Jesus said to Mary, woman, woman, not as a degrading word, but as Genesis 3.15, you are the woman of Genesis. Woman, behold thy son. And to John, behold thy mother. And he says that to each one of us when we come to the foot of the cross and look at him. He says to Mary, woman, behold thy child. And then he says to us, behold thy mother. She is our mother. And so when we cry out of the depths, this is where our prayer should come from. It should come from the depths of our heart. Prayer should come from the depths of our heart. Scripture speaks sometimes of our prayer coming from the soul, sometimes from the spirit, but most often of it coming from the heart. More than a thousand times, Scripture says the prayer comes from the heart. According to scripture, it is the heart that prays. If our heart is far from God, then our words are in vain. Remember, these people have hardened their hearts. 
Their hearts are far from me. So what is the heart? The heart is the dwelling place where I live. This is where I live. According to the Semitic or biblical expression, the heart is the place to which I withdraw. The heart is our hidden center beyond the grasp of our reason and the grasp of others. Only the Spirit of God can fathom the human heart and know it fully. It is the place, the heart is the place of decision. It's deeper than our psychic drives. It's the place of truth. It's the place where we choose life or death. It is the place of encounter because as an image of God, we live in relationship. It is the place of covenant. So we cry out of the depths. Purify our hearts, O Lord, so that we can come before you and cry to you for all of our needs. And we need you, Lord. Measure thine aid by the depth of our need. So let us go to confession and confess our sins and ask the Lord to clean our souls, to make them pure and holy so that he can enter in and dwell in us, our souls and our hearts, to cleanse them of all our attachment to the things of this world. Even good things of this world, we can't have any attachments. God should be the first before anything or anyone in this world. God is God and we are not. So we cry from the depths and we wait on the Lord and we count on his word and we hope in him. We count on the Lord. And so cry out to the depths. Go to confession. Go this weekend. Sacred Heart Church in Covina has confessions at 715 locally. That's local here in Covina. Also, St. Lorenzo Ruiz in Walnut, they have a daily 7 a.m. Mass and 7 p.m. Mass. They have confessions for 15 minutes before every Mass. They also have 815 morning Mass on Saturday. They'll have confessions before the 8, the 8 o'clock, I'm sorry, 8 a.m. Mass. Confessions will be at 745. They also have 330 confessions in the afternoon on Saturday. I don't know the other parishes, but look them up wherever you are. Look up the local parish. Go to confession. Make a good confession. Turn to the Lord in your need, just like the woman at the well who had her thirst awaken and know that God thirsts for us. We have to pray every day. And prayer should be from the depths of our heart. It should be honest. It should be humble. Acknowledging our need for God and then thanking him that he has given us the grace to desire him and the grace to pray. Prayer is a gift. Out of the depths I cry to thee, O Lord. O Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to my voice and supplication. Again, thank you for all of our benefactors, our listeners, for those who share this radio program with others and um, who sponsor programs. Thank you to the radio stations that pick us up and the social media platforms that pick us up. Please, God, I'll be back again next week. Uh, Next week is actually the Friday after Thanksgiving, so I'm not sure how we're going to do this. I don't know if we're playing pre-recorded shows or if we're going to be doing live shows, but whatever. Uh, Hopefully you'll see us next week. Share this with all your family and friends. And if you want to make a donation, call 877-526-2151. Signing off for now by Wilson Barber's Virgin Most Powerful Radio.